This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, episode number 291, Five Sneaky Ways Insecurity is Hiding in Your Running. If you're looking for ways to bring more joy into your running and you want to be a physically and mentally stronger runner, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today we're talking about insecurity. It's something we all love to talk about, it's right? It's a great conversation. I mean, who, who doesn't like to talk about their insecurities? Hopefully the people that didn't already hit <laughs> next on their podcast Everybody, player. I know. We were debating on the topic or like the title for this podcast because it's a really important episode. And just because you don't think you're insecure about your running, we want you to still listen to this because that's why we entitled it The Sneaky Ways because a lot of times these things don't, seem like insecurities from the outset, but they really are. And it's the, it's those sneaky ways that insecurity likes to hide itself. And so what we want to do is bring that flashlight. We, our goal today is to bring a light to some of these things, these mistakes that you might be making in your training today that might be insecurity hiding itself rooted in insecurity yeah it, it doesn't look like it like no one stands up in their, i mean maybe some people actually do some people are like i'm really insecure about my running a lot of people that still don't claim themselves as runners mm-hmm. that's rooted in insecurity but that's not this one right like, that's not this episode this episode is like oh yeah actually i feel real great as a runner mm-hmm. i just also do this 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 and this like, right oh those might be signs of insecurity and that, that's what we're going into right and why is insecurity even something that we need to be talking about because Today, what we want to show you is that these areas of insecurity could be hurting your progress. That is the most important thing that we want you to take away from this episode today. It's one thing to just try to point out your insecurities. Like the goal of this episode is not to show you all the ways that you're insecure just to make you feel bad about yourself, and right? And God, that'd be a terrible <laughs> podcast. Yeah, not a good idea, right? But what we want you to do is we want to empower you with this information so that you can notice, you can start to recognize these things. If I'm guessing that you're probably going to identify with at least one of the things that we're going to talk about today. And when you start to see it as, oh, that might be a mask for my insecurity, let's then address that so that we can work on that and improve it. Because what happens when we feel insecure, we try to do something to make us feel secure. Again, this is just how our brain is naturally wired. Our brain is wired for security. So when we're not feeling that way, we often try to change our circumstances to generate that sense of security again. And that's what a lot of us try to do inside of our running. Yeah, we don't like to go outside of the box. We like to stay inside of our cave. It feels safe inside of our yep. cave. There might be a tiger outside of the cave. So let's just stay inside of the cave. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. All right, let's just jump into it then. Okay. Great. But well, actually, right before that. Oh man, I was gonna go both feet into the insecurity box. Both feet into the insecurity box. I don't know. It's a weird metaphor I was going for there. Anyway, before we get there, what are we going with? (laughs) Keep your eye out for our five-day challenge. Okay. Woohoo! Five-day challenge is coming back. We are running our next five-day challenge, February 13th through 17th. Registration is going to be opening up next week, okay? So keep your eye out for that. And if you're not on our email list, that's going to be the best way for you to get all the information that you need. So head over to realliferunners.com and sign up for our emails. Just right there on our homepage, you can sign up for our emails so that you are the first one to know when registration opens for that, all of the dates, all of those special events that we like to hold for you guys. Because the 5K Running Challenge 
is a free challenge, a free event that we love to do to help runners just to understand how to train better and how to train in a way that's right for you. So now let's jump into it. Five day challenge for, for Valentine's day. Cause our love language is helping runners oh, it find is Valentine's joy day. in their running. It is. It is. I like it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that should be like the title of this five day challenge. Yes. That's find, what it's going to be. Fall more in love with running. Ooh, man, that sounds cheesy. I love Maybe it. Maybe that won't be the name of this challenge. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into the five ways, the five sneaky ways that that insecurity likes to hide in your training. Number one, you're someone who wants exact paces and exact distances for all of your workouts. Of course you do, because if it's not perfect and exact, then how are you going to write nice, clean numbers into your training chart? Right. And so the, the big mistake here is that people that fall into this trap of wanting the exact paces and the exact distances think that often think that the specifics the nitty gritty specifics matter a lot more than they actually do right you might be this person if when at the end of your run you look down at your gps watch and it says 4.96 miles so you run past your house a couple houses down until you hit that 5.0 on your GPS before you're actually able to stop your watch. Yes, yes. If you've ever done laps of your driveway, of a parking lot, yes. this this is you. You know, and, and people have done that before, and I, there are times where I'm like, okay, that's not quite as crazy. On like a casual, easy run, if, if your watch doesn't finish at exactly the end of a mile mark, the end of a kilometer mark, it's going to be fine. You, you can be done with your run because you made it back to the car, you made it back to the house, whatever it is. On, on like... A personal time trial, I can see trying to be super precise off of this. Well, I often fall into this trap, okay? So I'm, I'm not going to totally, like, I want to raise my hand here also, right? Yeah. Because I, there are times that I understand, okay, it's it's just general, but then I, I very much like seeing round numbers on my watch, right? So I think that you can want the round number and also understand that it's not as important. Like, I understand that you fully get it. I fully get <laughs> that like 4.97 is the same as 5.0 I just like to see the round number but there are people that believe that 4.97 is not five miles and and that I have to have that 0.03 in order to get that workout right and when you don't get that workout right or if your paces like say you have a pace range for a workout and you're supposed to hit your intervals in 825 to 830 pace and you hit it in 832 thinking that I didn't get that workout right feeling anxiety feeling anxious because you really want to get the workout right and if the workout isn't exactly how it's written how you wrote it or your coach wrote it or what the training plan says then you think you did it wrong that's the difference. Well, yeah, that's that's the problem. That's the difference of like the workout could be right versus wrong. And the workout could be right versus wrong over something as small as like what your GPS watch says. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, your GPS watch is not that accurate. Right. Like it's just not. Yeah. I mean, my friends and I, we go off on a run and we all have Garmin watches. Mm-hmm. And even so, our distances are slightly different. Our paces are slightly different. And we're running right next to each other the whole time. I mean, I've done the same loop around our neighborhood, I don't know, 40 times in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come to the exact same spot every single time. Yeah. I- I'm not cutting across a street somewhere. Like This is literally the same loop. There's a path mm-hmm. that I'm on the entire time. And it's not exactly the same every single time. And the watch should know it by now. Like the watches should have learned it. 
Okay, so what we want you guys to recognize with this is that insecurity in this case, it often masks as perfectionism, okay? Insecurity often masks as perfectionism because it makes us think that there is a right way and a wrong way to do this. And that perfect training conditions will lead to the outcome that I want. So if I get this workout right, if I get my training cycle right, then I'm going to be guaranteed this outcome. And if I don't do it right, if I mess up this workout or if I mess up these paces, then I'm not going to get the outcome that I want. Yeah. Which suggests so many there's so many assumptions in that yeah. that there is like a perfect mileage that you could have. There are perfect paces that you can run even within a workout. Like you're like, Oh, well, I need to run this at my threshold. I've done so much reading on threshold training. It's not like there is not a line inside your body where it's just like, Oh, now I'm over the threshold. Let right. me make sure I'm under the threshold. Like I've looked at the charts mm-hmm. of like people who did like lactate testing. It's real subtle where it flips from like, it's not a flat line. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a increase level that kind of flattens off and then in- keeps increasing so to be like oh I have to make sure I'm under my threshold level no you, no you don't because it's unclear exactly what that even is well especially when that translates into your watch right because oh, God, even more when we look at scientific studies what I, we want you guys to remember here is that there's a lot of good research out there on all sorts of different topics but when they are doing a controlled research experiment in a laboratory with Ox, you know, masks on that yep. is, is specifically measuring the oxygen input and the carbon dioxide output. And they can even go in and like measure your blood, like the lactate levels in your blood yep. during the workout. This is a very scientific controlled environment. Then they take those, that all that information from that scientific research and they put it into an algorithm. They put it into a math equation, a formula that then decides, okay, their heart rate was around this level when they got these, you know, got to these certain markers in their blood or their oxygen or their carbon dioxide, whatever they're measuring, the VO2 max, right? So therefore, we're going to put it through this equation and then we are going to measure your heart rate on your wrist and then take that heart rate and put it into that equation and going to assume all of these things, right? So if you are taking the numbers on your GPS watch and making those the indicators of whether or not you got that pace exactly right, just think about all of the other steps there too, Mm -hmm. right? Like all of the information, it's the best information we have, right? It's, It's great information, but take it with a grain of salt, okay? The other thing is your pace can sometimes get wonky, especially when you're training in an, a very urban area. Sure. Or if you're training in a very rural area where there's not good satellite signal, right? Or wind. Or wind, yeah. But like, like, let's just think about some obvious things like wind and cold. And we've mm-hmm. got so many people on our team right now that are like, I was trying to hold this effort pace, but the roads are super slippery. Yep. So it's hard for me to run at that pace because I felt like I was just going to slide. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, that's really going to throw some numbers off quite a bit. Yep, exactly. And and GPS is only so accurate. The way that GPS works is like the, it's multiple satellites all talking to each other at the same time and also communicating with your watch there is room for error there. So these numbers on your watch are not hard and fast. These training paces are not hard and fast. They are good estimates to go by, but understand that it does not have to be perfect. And so if you're feeling insecure about your training, you're probably going to be more worried about hitting those exact paces. So if you can kind of take a step back and be like, okay, well, 
those paces aren't as exact as I think they are. And it's actually not as important as I think it is as long as I'm getting in the point of the workout in the first place. Am I doing a workout at moderate intensity level for this amount of time? Am I pushing Mm -hmm. myself to the right effort level because your body does not know pace and distance. Your body knows effort level and time. It knows that you went out for 30 minutes and ran at a moderate effort level. It knows that you went out for 60 minutes and ran at an easy effort level. That's what your body knows. It does not know that you ran 4.96 miles at an 832 pace. No, it does not have those numbers. Yeah, It's just not built into there. Like I, I sense in this discussion here that you're not gonna buy me a continuous lactate monitor for my arm for <laughs> any sort of celebration coming. Um, but. It's really interesting to see all these new wearable devices yeah. come out and like trying to get continuous glucose monitors and like the things that are reading your sweat rate and yeah. the things that are reading your lactate levels and then all feeding this information back in. Like, how much do you think you can really fine tune down to narrow down the exact precise? This seems so much like people who are trying to chase the final 1% gains Mm -hmm. when they may have missed the big picture of go run some easy miles and occasionally run some moderate miles Mm -hmm. and very occasionally run some pretty hard shorter distances. And you're gonna get in really good shape. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's gonna cover it rather than making sure that you have such precise, oh, well, it has to be at exactly this pace and effort, and this monitor says one thing, but this one says another, and then I got a, a, a you know, the heart rate on my wrist, but I also have one I wear on my chest just in case. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's all too much. It's overkill, and especially for us as real-life runners, we are not trying to get a gold medal at the Olympics, most of us. I don't know if any Olympians listen to this. If you do, please send me an email. I would love to interview you. But in reality, most of us are out here doing this because we want better health. We want to be stronger, especially as we get older. We want to do things that promote our health. We love the freedom that running brings us. We want to bring more joy into our life. We want to live an active lifestyle. And yes, we want to get better because number or running is a very number-driven sport and numbers are an easy way to track progress. So it makes sense why we focus on these numbers so much. But don't get hyper-focused on the numbers that you forget why you're doing it in the first place. And you can feel more secure by understanding that it all fits into a system. This one training run with this very exact pace is not going to make or break you in any way. Are you running most of your miles easy? Are you adding in some speed work? Are you doing strength training? Are you recovering well? Are you getting some good nutrition? Like those are the things that you need for you to improve as a runner. And as long as you're doing that 80% of the time, you are going to make progress. And we're gonna get into some other things. We still are on number one here, (laughs) (laughs) but that's okay because this is really one of the big ones, right? Because of this need for perfectionism. Because when we see this in a lot of runners, ultimately it comes down to this idea that you probably don't trust yourself. And so you're looking for some sort of external validation to show you that you're doing a good job, to show you that you're doing the right thing, to show you that all the effort that you're putting into this is worth it. And what we're telling you is that you don't need those things. You can have security 
if you are tr following a training system that incorporates all the things that I just mentioned, easy running, speed work, strength training, mobility, of course, um, nutrition and recovery, and then the mental side, which is a whole, a whole nother topic. But that's really actually what we're talking about here is that that this need, is the mental right? Side that is the this, mental side. This covers that insecurity mm -hmm. that's masking itself as perfectionism. Right. Of if I just follow the nitty gritty details, mm -hmm. then it's going to give me the exact perfect results. Right. So it's allowing to step back yourself to step back and have some perspective here. And I, apparently during this episode, just be careful if you're hungry, because a lot of these metaphors that I've thrown into this episode are cooking and food related. Apparently I was hungry when I was outlining this episode. Um, we're going to have to take a break and snack in the middle so, of it. <laughs> I liken this to needing an exact recipe for a marinara sauce. Okay. For my red sauce, I don't have a recipe for it. Like I make a delicious marinara sauce. Yes, she does. Right. Yes. You, you can vouch for this. Yeah, 100%. I make a very good red sauce. But I don't know the exact amounts that I put into it. In, in general, I know I use the same basic ingredients every single time, but I, I use an onion. Sometimes that onion's smaller, sometimes that onion's a little bit bigger. Uh -huh. I use garlic, fresh garlic. Depending on the size of the garlic cloves, I chop up enough that I look at it and I, I, I say that's, that's probably a good amount. It depends, like were you watching a vampire movie recently? Right. <laughs> Maybe it's a little heavy on the garlic, who knows? It depends on my mood, right? Mm -hmm. But, but I, I use the same basic ingredients for my red sauce and those quality ingredients, I make sure I get quality ingredients. I get the tomatoes from Italy, the San Marzano tomatoes from Italy. I, I get fresh garlic, fresh onion, fresh basil, right? These are the things that I use in my red sauce and then a couple other things as well. But when you're using quality ingredients, the exact ratio is less important. You put some in, you cook it up, you taste it, you see if it tastes good, and then you move on. Yeah. Does it taste exactly the same every single time? Probably not. No, but it tastes pretty close. It tastes pretty close, right? Like it's within a range, a, a range of goodness there. And, and the same goes for your running. As long as you are putting quality work in qual and, and not leaving anything out, you're going to get good results and those teeny tiny details probably don't matter as much as you think they do. Yeah. It's, this isn't like baking. This is making a red sauce, which I think, well, you know, even baking though, even baking, even baking, I think has a lot precision than it, people would suggest. It has a lot more leeway than people want to tell you that it does because I've, I played around with it and I still come out with some pretty good stuff. I, th I think one of the, the key things in baking, and this is just my chemical engineering background is the, the baking soda mm -hmm. levels in there. You need to make sure that whatever's reacting with the baking soda to make whatever it is rise appropriately. You just have to balance those as long as you balance those everything else is pretty good to go yeah all right let's move on to number two okay fine the second sneaky way that insecurity hides in your training is this need to always be doing more okay adding more mileage or upping the pace on all of your runs all of the runs right <laughs> so people that are making this mistake are obviously doing more of what you're currently doing just because you think that more is better. And this often leads to burnout. It often leads to injury. It often leads to plateau, which is the opposite of what you're going for, right? Like you actually <laughs> are trying to make progress. So you're trying to add in more and do more, but you're not, you end up not making progress. So you end up getting the exact opposite result that you're going for. And there's always this feeling like you're not doing enough, 
Yeah, I mean, that's the underlying thing is this sensation that like there there could be something else I could add to this. I feel like if I just did it a little more, if I push just a little mm-hmm. bit harder, that's going to lead to the, the breakthrough. That's going to get to the benefit. It leads to one of my favorite coaching sayings that I did not make up. I stole this from another coach um, of more is more and better is better, mm-hmm. but more is not always better. They're, yep. they're, more is just more. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, sometimes more is better. And sometimes, sometimes here's, here's where it gets real tricky. Sometimes more is better over a very short time period. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, at first I added a little extra miles and I got better. I just, I pushed the pace a little bit on my easy run and I got better. Mm-hmm. Okay. You temporarily improve, right. but over the long term, you're probably just reducing your recovery. Like a lot of what's happening here, like, cause the setup in order to improve yourself, you have to stress your body and then you have to create some rest so that you can actually create growth in your body. Mm -hmm. Like that's the setup here. So if you just put on more miles and you increase the pace, you're increasing the stress. If you don't balance that by increasing the rest and recovery, you're not creating growth. You're just creating a setup for likely injury Mm -hmm. and likely injury is kind of the opposite of growth. Yeah. And a lot of times this comes for lack or comes from lack of trust in the plan, right? The first one where you're needing those exact paces, those exact distances, exact workouts. A lot of that stems from insecurity within yourself. So you put your trust in the plan but this one comes from lack of trust in the plan so you're like well (laughs) the plan says this but i probably should be doing more than that yeah yeah i mean i've had this one myself for Mm -hmm. since since high school yeah of i know my coach has been like multiple time california coach of the year and he (laughs) says that it should be an easy run but i should probably just hammer it as hard as i possibly can and it did not lead to good results it literally it led to a massive plateau between my sophomore and senior like junior year had no improvement i didn't get anywhere junior year because I was just hammering everything I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And then I'd hit like a track workout and I was still towards the front cause I was one of the faster kids there, mm-hmm. but I wasn't dropping times. Like I was hoping because I was just always pushing. So then he'd pull me aside before we'd head out. It's an easy run, Brown, easy run, just run with the people around you, run with your teammates. They'll pull you back. It'll be an easy, go on an easy run. But this also highlights the problem that some other people have is they get into a group and the group overall tends to push the pace. On easy runs, everybody's chatting mm-hmm. and everybody just kind of keeps going. You want to stay part of the group. Usually the person that sets the pace on the easy runs, especially if the group's very chatty, it's whoever's fastest sets the pace. And maybe it's their recovery pace, but it's not necessarily your recovery pace. Mm-hmm. And so now suddenly everybody's pushing a little bit faster. They're running the volume that the the top person out of the group can do because that person isn't getting hurt. And so let's all go do that, which is not necessarily what's going to work best for each individual in the group. Yeah. Um, going back to food, I like to think of this, (laughs) I like to think of this, like this need to add more and more is better as adding more chocolate chips to your chocolate chip cookie recipe, because chocolate chips, as we all know, are the best part. Right. So if I just if I just add more chocolate chips, these cookies will be even better to a point, though. Right. There's Mm -hmm. always to a point. If you add so many chocolate chips, then you're not even going to have enough dough to balance the ratio of chocolate chips to dough. So you're not even going to really 
end up with a chocolate chip cookie. No, you're going to end up with fudge. Fudge. I mean, and that's going to be delicious, but it's not going to be a delicious chocolate chip cookie. Excellent. Excellent point. You may have pushed so hard that you created something that was not actually the goal that you're going for, mm -hmm. which also happens in this. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm just going to push so hard on all my speed days. Okay, that's great. But if you're training for a marathon and you're just hammering all of your speed days, you may be pushing and not getting yourself trained to run at marathon pace. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a really big issue that people have. Yeah is your training, especially as you get closer and closer to the event, kind of needs to narrow in on the paces that are most representative of the race itself. Mm -hmm, exactly. And so just adding more mileage or adding more speed work or adding more volume, whatever it might be, does not always give you the best results. And when you're feeling insecure about the plan, this is one of the things that a lot of people default to doing. Yeah. I mean, no one defaults to adding in more recovery. They default to adding in more things, yep. more Do stuff. More. And usually it's more of what you're currently doing because you feel comfortable with that. Like and, it's, I, and it's more of what you're good at. Yes. More of what you're good at, which is probably the stuff that you don't need to add more of because mm -hmm. you're already good at it. It's more of what you're good at. And it's usually at the at the, the lack of recovery from that the thing. Expensive. That, the expensive. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Number three, insecurity often masks itself as skipping strength training. And this often comes out when, if you're the kind of person that doesn't really know what to do when it comes to strength training, so you just don't do anything, right? You're not quite sure because running is just running. We just go out and run. Of course we do. Strength training requires more knowledge. I need to figure out what exercises to do. I need to make sure I'm doing those exercises properly. Do I lift weights or not lift weights? Do I do body weight? Do I do HIIT training? Do I do circuit training? There's all of these variables and it can seem very overwhelming. So instead of figuring it out, you just don't do anything. And you don't want to, you know, upset the rest of the training plan. The running's I'm just, going I'm just gonna fine. Go, I'm just going to go run, right? <laughs> like, because maybe you're someone that hasn't been injured yet, right? Sure. And you hear, oh, I, I know I should be strength training. Everyone tells me I should be strength training. But you haven't really seen the ill effects yet of not strength training. <laughs> and I put that yet in there very intentionally, okay? Because if you continue running. If you are someone that wants to increase your mileage, if you're someone that wants to get faster, and you're also someone that whose age is increasing, which is all of us on the planet. Freaking time. Right? <laughs> you need to in include strength training in your plan. Okay, if you want to run into the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth decades of your life, you need to incorporate strength training. Lean muscle mass is extremely important for you as a human, but also as a runner. Okay, and if you're not doing the strength training, if you're skipping the strength training because you're not quite sure what to do, this often will lead to injury or constant achiness, reduced speed, instability, other problems that might kind of, you, you don't necessarily directly attribute it to the strength training, but it is actually an indirect result of not strength training. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, especially if you do a lot of running on like sidewalks, very well-groomed paths, like tra like anything that does not make you move at all side to side. You do a lot of treadmill running. We had a whole treadmill running episode. Good episode if you're doing a lot of treadmill running in the mm -hmm. winter. You should go back and check that one out. But if you're doing a lot of very smooth running in one direction, you probably have a lot of instability side to side. Like if you don't do any side to side move movements, 
you're kind of losing that energy. You need the, the strength moving side to side because it helps you moving move in a straight line more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to strengthen anything side to side. Sure you do, because strengthening side to side movement prevents your body from accidentally twisting side to side as you're trying to run in a straight line like stability is super important yeah i mean and maybe it's not accidentally twisting it's excessively twisting too right because stop looking at me and my recent marathon pictures when you say excessively twisting (laughs) (laughs) i know this is definitely something that we've just addressed with kevin and his running form but when you're looking at strength training if strength training is an area that you're insecure about because you don't really understand it again this will lead you to probably just skip it or maybe you are someone that goes to youtube and tries to figure out okay i know i need to do some strength training how am i like what exercises do i need to um, include in this here's my best piece of advice number one keep it simple Okay, find the exercises that you are already familiar with. If you are not doing any strength training whatsoever, find some exercises that you are already familiar with and start there. This could be something as simple as a plank. Planks are fantastic for runners. Doing some squats, also great for runners. Doing calf raises where you just lift up onto your toes and then back down. These are beginner strength training exercises that anyone can do at any point in time. You squat every single day when you get up and down out of a chair. (laughs) So instead of doing it once, do it 10 times. That's strength training, okay? That's not enough strength training for you to never progress after that right like but it is a great place to start so setting yourself up for those small wins especially in the beginning is a really important thing that will help you to to start feeling more secure to start feeling more confident in your strength training and then you can start to incorporate some other things into your routine Right. But those, those basic movement patterns, I mean, you highlight some really key ones. Like you, you answered this question, I don't know, a few weeks ago, I want to say it was on Instagram of like the exercise that you would do. Like you just had to pick one calf raises was the extra. And I did not think that was going to be your answer, but really good reasoning to that one of just do some calf raises. And that's super simple. And there's no gym intimidation on that one. Mm -hmm. You can do calf raises anywhere. You can do calf raises as Angie is just about to point out when she cuts me off here in a second, while you're brushing your teeth, you can do calf raises, right? Or prepping for dinner or or washing dishes. Yes. Anytime you're standing at a counter. Anytime you're standing, you could then add in calf Mm -hmm. raises to it. It's like the easiest exercise. I've done it at church before. People behind me are like, what the heck is this woman? And doing You've probably definitely done it. I at totally church. have. I, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, you did. I do it sometimes. I stretch my calves at church, depending on like you know, the, it's got that ni- nice little kneeler, kneeler there. I put my foot I on mean, it. Honestly, look around if you're at church, you look around, anybody's stretching their calves. <laughs> There's a whole group of runners that are in there stretching calves. That's fine. There you go. All right, so back to my food metaphors for today. Bring it on. What do we got for strength? So, I think of skipping strength training as making your own cupcake frosting or cake frosting if you want cakes but for some reason i thought of cupcake if you make a cupcake a cupcake is still good without frosting especially if you put chocolate chips in Mm -hmm. it but there's something missing right like and i'm not a big frosting person i much prefer the cake versus the frosting how about you? Yeah, I take Let, all of your frosting. I, I mean, I know, I know your answer, but tell the listeners. <laughs> yes. So, and we want to know. Tell me on Instagram, are you a cupcake person or are you a frosting person? Or maybe cake? Should we make it cake? I mean, 
Too do, you much, like, do you like the cake better or do you like the frosting better? Too much frosting on a cupcake ruins the cupcake because then you can't eat it. Even okay. if you do the cupcake turned into a sandwich right, trick let's or you say cake. But cake, no, tons of frosting. I pref- I like to eat cake. Do you cake. like cake with your frosting or frosting with your cake? Yes. <laughs> yes. I like cake with my frosting. <laughs> I, I like to eat, make sure that I eat cake with Angie because then she scrapes off part of her frosting and then I just bring that right over to my mm-hmm. plate and make sure that because you know when you take a slice of cake out you now have like two sides that don't have frosting on it mm-hmm. like the top and the back are still good yeah but if I take your frosting I can frost one of the sides perfect yeah perfect well and here's the thing when I make my own cake frosting you get a lot less Versus if we do like a store-bought cake or if we go to a birthday party and there's a store-bought cake there with that store-bought generic Mm -hmm. frosting. Yeah, everybody knows the store-bought frosting. No, just just say no to me. Like it's not even worth it for me at all. And a lot of the store-bought cakes also overdo the frosting. So the ratio is completely off and I had to take like half of that off. And I had to eat it myself. So here's the thing. (laughs) A cake is still good without frosting, but there's something missing. And a store-bought frosting is okay, but fresh homemade frosting makes the cake so much better. And fresh homemade frosting is really, really easy to make. Mm-hmm. A buttercream frosting has three ingredients. Like once I figured this out and how, how to make a good buttercream frosting or my kids' favorite and my favorite cream cheese frosting, that has four, okay? A good frosting is butter, powdered sugar and vanilla and then maybe a little bit of milk to to thin it out just to get it to the right consistency to get to whatever consistency you want that's it and when you whip it up it doesn't take that long it takes a few minutes to make and it makes the cake so much better like it elevates the cake so much more in my opinion than a store-bought frosting so to me that's kind of what strength training is like There are generic strength plans out there that you can do. There are these basic exercises that you can do, but when you, if you want to elevate it, then you can start to do those specific running specific types of strength training exercises that are going to be really good for you to focus on as a runner. And so, yes, go from skipping your strength days because you don't know any better to getting the store-bought cake. Mm-hmm. with the store-bought frosting, yeah. get, doing some of those generic exercises. And then you can start to play around with making some of the, the generic or the uh, gourmet homemade frosting because it's not as complicated as you think it is. There are some basic movement patterns that all of us runners need to focus on. And essentially, you j- then just work on progressive overload. You need to do more repetitions or add more resistance so that your muscles will continue to get stronger in those basic movement patterns. And again, this is something that we lay out step-by-step inside of our academy so all of our academy members have the exact exercises that they need to do and again progressively building on each other as they go from month to month so if you know that's something that you're interested in please come check out the academy we're going to be opening up enrollment for that soon and if you want to get in right now just send me an email we can you know talk about that but understand that doing something is better than nothing and don't let your insecurity over strength training get in the way of you making some really important gains not only in your running but also in the rest of your life because building lean muscle mass is going to make you at have a, a decreased risk of osteoporosis it's going to put you at a decreased risk of fractures it's going to improve your cardiovascular like it's going to improve so much in your life in your general health as well so 
don't let the insecurity get in the way of this. Yeah, I was going to kind of add on to your, your food metaphor there. If you're not entirely positive on how to make the frosting and you don't want to learn how to make the frosting, because Angie's right, like your personalized strength plan is the best. But it's also possible that you could marry a physical therapist. Okay, now hear me out on this one. This is and a really good cook. Yes, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. You need somebody that makes both delicious frosting and a great red sauce and marry them, because they will set up your training plan for you. They will set up the strength plan for you, and they will feed you afterwards. Like this is your key to success. And the next best thing to that is well, is joining our training academy. If you can't marry your own physical therapist, you can work work with Angie inside of the training academy. That's that's what I got you for you. You can work with me virtually. <laughs> but, but I won't make you red sauce. Sorry. But, and she's mine. I put a <laughs> ring on it. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on to number four. Number four. Insecurity showing up by skipping your rest day. This kind of goes back to I know better than the plan. Okay. I know better than the plan says to go at this pace, but I'm going to push a little bit harder. The plan says easy day. I'm going to go a little bit more. The Mm -hmm. plan says take the day off. But if I just go for like a 45 minute run, that's probably going to be better than not having a day. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the more is better, but we covered this already. More is is often just more. Right. And often what this leads to is just feeling tired all the time and not getting the full benefit of your training because rest is when your body actually has the chance to absorb all of the training that you're doing. Your body goes through this cycle of training. During training, we actually break our bodies down. And during rest and recovery, our bodies build back stronger than they were before. We need to give our bodies a lot of sleep, a lot of rest and protein. That's going to be what allows your body to build muscle back up stronger than it was before after especially those hard workouts where you're really breaking the muscle down, like your speed work, your long runs, your strength sessions. Okay. You definitely need to make sure you're getting enough recovery after all of those hard workouts so that your body can actually make the adaptations that you want. It is not the hard training that makes you stronger. It is the hard training that breaks your body down and the rest is what actually makes your body stronger. A lot of people, they're like, oh, but I get the mental benefit of if I had a really, I had a long run on Saturday and then if I can still go out and get like a good run in on Sunday, even though I'm so sore and I'm so tired, Mm -hmm. I can go out and get the run. That shows that I'm tough enough that when it comes time for the race, I'll be able to push through when it starts getting hard. No, when it comes time for the race, you're going to be exhausted. Well, okay. I I even want to say that maybe that's true. Like there is a, there is a good benefit of doing doing a run after a long run on Saturday. It's a Saturday, Sunday, right? Sure. But then make Monday your rest day. That that was my next point is yes, you can do that combo, but then eventually there needs to be a rest day. Eventually you have to look back at it and be like, okay, but now I recover. Mm -hmm. Like in training for longer races, as I, I love the training for the ultra stuff. Now the back to back long run on the weekend, a long run and a moderate long run. Mm -hmm. Great. Great. That's a good two-day combo, but my word, that's exhausting. Yeah. And you're starting the second day tired. So you really need a rest day. Mm-hmm. Taking a complete off day on Monday, not being like, well, I mean, if I just squeeze in like 30 minutes, that's better. No, 30 minutes is not better than nothing. In that case, nothing is better than 30 minutes mm-hmm. by a lot, actually, by a whole heck of a lot. It's possible that some movement, like I'm not saying you have to lay down 
walking would be like the activity for that day so that you yeah. continue some to maintain some blood flow and kind of help your body recover from the last couple of days. Right. There are different forms of recovery, right? There's passive recovery and there's active recovery. So we're not telling you to just lay on a couch all day. That's not what's necessary. Occasionally that is what's necessary though. It's, well, <laughs> maybe not necessary, but beneficial. I mean, post hardest marathon you could possibly run. Uh, laying on the couch, very I beneficial. think, is, is a solid win. <laughs> yeah, very um, well-earned, well we'll earned. say, right? <clears throat> With some red sauce and right. a cupcake. And now some turkey and steak. Okay. All right, so skipping your rest day is like not allowing your turkey or your steak to rest after you cook it. This is my favorite metaphor you have. I know, and I'm going to let you take it because you understand it better than I do. Because okay. Kevin is the turkey cooker in our house for Thanksgiving. I do everything <laughs> else. only job. <laughs> I do all of the sides and all the other things. I mean, he helps. Kevin's my sous chef in, in the kitchen um, in general. But and, and he definitely cooks a lot of our weekday meals. So Kevin, don't don't let don't think he doesn't do his his fair share of cooking around but here. My only job on Thanksgiving when is to comes, not screw the turkey up. When it comes to Thanksgiving, the turkey is yours, and the same thing with steak. Like when when if we ever have steak, you do the steak. Like yes. whether you do it on the grill or like in in the pan and in the oven, yep. you take care of the meat. Kevin's the meat guy. Yeah, sure. So if you cook a turkey. And, you know, you've you've done all the parts to the turkey, you've got it in the oven, you've timed it out appropriately, you've had the turkey in there cooking for hours. At this point, everybody's hungry, it smells amazing, you take the turkey out, it looks amazing, and everybody just wants to eat the turkey. But the worst thing you could do is immediately take a knife to the turkey. Okay? Like the worst thing you could do. The turkey, tragically, just has to sit there as everybody drools around it for several minutes. And you're like, oh, but the turkey's going to get cold. No, the turkey's not going to get cold. It's like many, it's a hundred and some degrees. It's plenty warm. It needs time for all of the juices to actually spread back out and evenly distribute throughout the turkey itself so that parts of it aren't dry, parts of it aren't just dripping juice all over the place. If you immediately start cutting, you're just going to juice the turkey all over the place and you're going to end up with dry turkey. You're going to end up with dry steak because all of the goodness is just sitting on your cutting board. This is exactly what would happen if you hit a hard workout and then ignore your rest day. You hit a super hard workout and then you're running again the next day, then you got a lift the next day and you're running the next day, and oh wait, that's a lift and a running day, and you're never giving your body time to rest, mm -hmm. so it can never actually absorb the training. You go out on your easy 45 minute run because you're like, no, 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 this is gonna be beneficial for me, and you're literally just losing all of your training benefits. You're sweating them all out because you had to, you had to go get a 45 minute run on your rest day. Don't do it, okay? understand that the rest is there for a reason feel secure that rest days are a good thing understand that rest days are when you absorb your training they're there for a reason more is not better don't let the insecurity tell you that you should skip your rest day and go get another run that is not the best choice all right last one number five multiple goals at the exact same time Insecurity can mask as you chasing multiple goals at the exact same time. I want to do all the things. Yeah, trying to do it all at once, right? I want to, and so many people, okay, you guys are not alone. If you <laughs> find yourself in this category, I want you to know that almost every runner that joins the academy <laughs> wants to do all of it and wants to do it all now. I get it. And so much of this stems from this 
need for immediate gratification that we have all been conditioned for in our society. We don't want to wait. We don't want to delay our gratification. We want our results and we want them now. I want to increase my speed, my strength, and my endurance all at the same time. And what happens is this often leads to never feeling satisfied, to questioning your potential. And it leads to an increased risk of injury and actually the kind of a downtrend in your progress. Like you actually start to decline in your progress versus improving because you're trying to focus on all the things all at the same time. And when you focus on, when you, when you have too many priorities, that really means that you don't have any. Right. This is, you're trying to juggle too many things. Like I can physically juggle three balls simultaneously, but not four. I can do three for about four or five rounds and then they're, if I'm lucky. So I... You're pretty, you're a much better juggler than I am. I can do two in one hand. I can do three. I'm good. As soon as you throw the fourth one in, I don't drop the fourth one. I drop all four. That's the issue. And that's Mm -hmm. the problem of trying to hit too many goals simultaneously is it's not that you can't pursue that next goal. It's like, oh, I'm chasing this. I'm chasing A and B and C. Mm -hmm. I'm going to also pursue D. No, you're not. It's not that you can't do D. It's that you can't do any of them at that point in time. I think that's the issue. If you're trying to improve everything, you end up improving nothing. And often you regress at most of them because you don't have enough time or effort to put into any one thing. Yeah. So when, when you're feeling insecure about this maybe you're a new runner and you're like oh my gosh I'm getting into running and you start to listen to running podcasts and you start to listen and hear all of the things you should be doing you're like oh I need to be strength training I need to be doing speed I need to be doing all these things and I need to start doing them all now and and the answer is not really like (laughs) yes kind of you need to make sure you have those pieces in place like yes but well like we were talking about before right it is a system and you have to have those major players those major pieces in place you need to be running you need to be strength training you need to be recovering you need to make sure you're eating well to help support your training you need to also focus on the mental side and and the mental side of running but when you have those pieces then you can build up those pieces don't need to build up at the same exact rates for you to see improvement if you build up a little bit on the one then that really elevates the whole system. Yes, it does. Right? So you can focus on one thing at a time and elevate the entire level of the system, of, of your system, of your running body, by focusing on one thing. But if you're trying to take the, the little bit of time and energy that you have and you're trying to pour it in five different cups all at the same time, all the all the cups go up just a tiny little bit. Yeah. Right? Think about it. Yeah, and you tend to spill a lot. And you tend to spill a lot, right? But if you focus most of your energy and attention, then you can really build up, say, the running portion. And it's not that you're ignoring the other pieces at all. You're still putting them in there, but you're focusing your energy and your attention on one area. Doing that and training in cycles is going to allow you to make much faster progress in the long journey of your running. And the problem is a lot of people are like, well, for these three months, I want to improve all these things because I want to train for a marathon and I want to train for a marathon right now. But 
maybe your body's not actually ready to train for a marathon. Maybe it would be much better for you to take six months, nine months, a year to work up to that marathon so that you can focus on different things and different aspects of your training during all of those different cycles. Yeah, I mean, a, a specific one on this one, it kind of goes back to the whole wearables where we started one of a, the part of this conversation. <clears throat> One of the features that pops up on my watch every time I finish a run is my current VO2 max, Mm -hmm. which is silly because your VO2 max is kind of fixed a lot more than your watch suggests that it is. Like mine will bop up and down like over the course of a week. And it's like, no, it, it, it doesn't change that rapidly. But... I also know from training theory that there are certain things I can do that will improve my ability to run further. And by improving my ability to run further, it will naturally drop my VO2 max. But my watch doesn't tell me that. My watch just says, ooh, that one measure of fitness that we pop up at the end of every single one of your runs just got lower. And so if I look down on that and I don't have this solid background in my running theory, I'm like, ooh, I'm getting in worse shape. Mm -hmm. I need to try and chase the number on my watch. But depending on what kind of race you're aiming for, Mm -hmm. you might not need to increase the VO2 max number on your watch at all times. Your watch tells you training and detraining. It's like, okay. Maintaining. Maintaining. Mm -hmm. It's got all these different categories. It's like, okay, but I know that what you just called detraining is actually exactly what I needed to do for my body today. Mm -hmm. That wasn't detraining. That was beneficial for me today. It was a change of focus. It was a change of focus. Mm -hmm. And the watch only says it's focusing on certain things so it viewed that as detraining the other day my vo2 max dropped two points it did it for a couple of reasons one the heart rate was not measuring correctly that day but i also know that what i was doing that day literally was designed to reduce my vo2 max but my watch thinks vo2 max is the magic number Mm -hmm. and so if it was like yours it probably would have called that detraining and that was not overreaching that's that's another one too yes that's a big one oh recovery 72 hours no it's not it's actually not 72 hours you probably were misreading the heart rate but it says that i'm detraining it says i'm overreaching it says all these things it's not it's that there are different aspects of training that you can you have to play with and vo2 max because it's it's the one thing that pops up on my watch is not the only thing to train yeah and the other thing we want you guys to keep in mind too is that when you're trying to focus on multiple goals at the same time it's often going to lead to some of those mistakes that we were talking about earlier of just doing more all the time. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing more and adding more stress to your training plan, to your life, to your body, that's not going to create breakthroughs. You're not going to get the big jumps in fitness that you're hoping for. A lot of times it just kind of throws your body out of whack because you're overstressing it. And again, probably not recovering as much as you need to because in your head you're thinking, I need to keep doing more because I want to get in better shape. So if I do more, I'm going to get in better shape. And if I focus on all of these goals at the same time, then I'm going to get in really good shape. And so we just end up overstressing, under recovering, throwing our bodies out of whack, throwing our hormones out of whack Mm -hmm. and not getting the results that we want. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem is eventually you're so stressed that your hormones are completely out of whack. And then you got to try and reset that entire system because you're not ever going to reap appropriate training benefits when your hormones don't even know what you're doing. Exactly. Okay. So Um, I had the metaphor in this one. It's not food related. This one, I'm sorry, I don't have one. Um, (laughs) But it is related to a childhood game. So at my school... I can come up with a cooking metaphor right now, but I'll do it after yours. I'm sure you can, but I think you may be curious what what my metaphor here is. I can't wait. 
your body has all these systems, they all work together, and you try and optimize them all simultaneously and it's not gonna work. They all have to work together. Mm -hmm. So at the high school I'm at, we had a pep rally and we had the human version of the game Hungry Hungry Hippos. Oh, that's hilarious. Right, so the way that it works is you put a person on one of those little mini scooters on their on their chest uh -huh. and the person behind them holds their feet and steers them. Okay? <laughs> That's awesome. And they're at the four corners of the basketball court and in the middle is a whole bunch of basketballs. And they say go <laughs> and everybody shoots in from the four corners. It looks exactly like Hungry Hungry Hippos. That's amazing. Okay? So everybody comes in and the person on the scooter reaches out and grabs as many of the basketballs in the middle and tries to pull them back. Well, after round one, you just have basketballs flying all over the gym. <laughs> now, one team had worked out beforehand. The person on the scooter and the person that was pushing them had worked out beforehand. So they didn't have to yell at each other as they were working. They literally said, find the closest basketballs. We can get two at most because otherwise I'm going to drop them. They won, they had like three times as many as anybody else. Everybody else was doing it on the fly. And the one team was so funny to watch because the person on the cart, they thought, as soon as I get to a ball, grab it. And the person who was pushing them said, I'm going to get to that pile of as many basketballs as possible, and then they can grab all of them. Mm -hmm. So the one person keeps trying to steer them towards the left, and the other person is trying to reach towards the right. They kept falling off of the scooter. Yeah. This is overdoing it, your system's not working together, and it so ends funny. up with no progress. They had no basketballs at the end of the contest. None? And none, because they literally just kept falling down. <laughs> they had nothing. They would finally make it to the middle, and they would drop them on the oh, way back man. because somebody would try and grab an extra one. They had zero. The winning oh. team had like 20. So they tried to do too many things. The systems weren't working together, yep. and it led to absolute chaos. I love it. It was really fun to watch that, that. That's hilarious. Like, I'm picturing it in my head. It's great. Um, and the very quick and easy cooking metaphor would be too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, right? Yes, of course. Too many cooks in the kitchen. That's or, why I am or, a sous chef. Or too many pots on the stove all mm -hmm. at once, right? Like, you've got things but boiling over. You've got too many things going. You've got things in the oven. You've got things on the stove. You've got kids running around and needing your attention and needing your... Or, quote-unquote, helping with the cook. Helping with the cook. Right. Like, so that, that right there is the perfect example of multiple goals all at the same time. Like yep. you can imagine this chaos. If you are a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, you know. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. So by focusing on one thing at a time, by, you know, saying, okay, right now I'm going to cook dinner and later I will help you with your homework. Then you're going to be able to give your full attention to dinner and then go give your full attention to your kid when they're doing homework. And you're going to get better results in both of those areas. Right. So right now I'm going to focus on strength training. I'm not going to completely neglect my endurance. Right. I'm not going to neglect my speed, but I'm not going to focus on it. I'm going to make sure I have some reasonable mileage. Right. I'm going to make sure that I do a little bit of speed each week, mm -hmm. but I might be a little sore for speed sessions. Right. So it might not be going as fast. I might be sore. So my long run needs to get cut short because mm -hmm. I'm just tired and sore because I'm currently focusing on strength right maybe you're focusing on endurance you're gonna maintain strength because mm -hmm. you're gonna you need to make sure you're fueled up for the long run over the mm -hmm. weekend so you don't want to be super sore based off of like a strength train so you're maintaining strength so that you can go out and up the mileage both is not not a recipe for success exactly exactly so that's all five okay so just as a quick review 
Number one, like the five sneaky ways that insecurity could be hiding in your training. Number one is wanting exact paces and distances for all of your workouts. Number two, adding more mileage and upping the pace on all of your runs. Just stop one-stepping things. Yeah, doing more all the time. Number three, skipping your strength training. Number four, skipping your rest day. And number five, trying to chase multiple goals at the same time. All right. Understand that these things take time. Improvement takes time and trying to do everything at once and trying to, you know, focus on all these different areas is not going to give you the best results. That is one of the reasons why a personalized plan is the best. It's the most effective and the most enjoyable way for you to achieve your goals, because then you know, okay, the goal of this training cycle, this training plan is increased strength. The goal of this training plan is to increase my mileage to prepare me for that marathon. The goal of this training plan is, you know, to increase my speed for the 5k. It also is going to include the other components, like Kevin was saying, you're going to still have speed work. Even if you're training for a a marathon, you're still going to have strength training. It's still going to be important for you to have those rest days, but it's in different ratios. It's with a different focus. It's with a different goal. And that's why defining those goals is really, really important. And then you can sit back and have security in knowing that you're following a plan that is right for you, that you made, or that a coach helped you make, that you have coaches that are there for you, that you can run things by in in case you're questioning things, because it can be really helpful. Like when you're not sure about things and you have someone that you can go to and you can ask a simple question to, and they can affirm you, or they can say, well, maybe try this other thing. This other thing might be a better idea. That's really, really reassuring. And so if you are feeling insecure about your training in any way, if you found yourself falling into any of these categories, please reach out to us. Reach out to me on Instagram. Send me a, a message over there. We're at Real Life Runners. Shoot me an email. You guys can reach me at Angie at realliferunners.com. Nice and simple, okay? <laughs> Sign up for our emails sign up for our five-day challenge. There's tons of free resources that we have available for you. And then if you are ready to take that next step with coaching, we would love to be your coaches. We would love to help you understand how to create that personalized plan that is right for you. So reach out to us. Um, I'm doing some coaching information sessions weekly now. So if you have questions about what coaching looks like, reach out to me, okay? I'll invite you to one of those calls. You can get all your questions answered. You can figure out if this is a good fit for you because we're just here to help. That's what we want. We want to help runners to understand how to train in a way that's right for them so that they can bring more strength and health and joy into their lives and into their running. So And, and love back into running. And Five love. day challenge for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So as always, guys, if you haven't yet, please leave us a review on iTunes. Please share this uh, episode if you found it helpful with your running friends or on social media. Help us to spread the word. Help us to help more runners. That is a great way for you to say thank you to us for creating this podcast for you every week. We love doing it, but we also love hearing from you. And I love getting messages from our listeners, letting us know how each episode has helped them because that also allows us to know what content is helpful for you guys so that Mm -hmm. we can create more content content that is good for you, that's helpful for you. 
So um, if you haven't yet, head over to Instagram, follow us over there at Real Life Runners. We're on TikTok, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, we're on all the places. So pick your favorite platform and check it out. Um, we are posting most regularly right now on Instagram and Facebook, but I'm going to be upping the TikTok game here in a little bit. We'll oh, see how that goodness. goes. All right. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 291. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>